dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle, and let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, I sit down with some wine writer friends and we discuss whether hyper-specific wine glasses are a necessity or a luxury. Last month, I read an article in Wine Enthusiast written by Kelly A. Magarix titled, Is Hyper-Specific Wine Stemware Worth It? As I was reading, I looked at the glasses in my china cabinet where I have loads of wine glasses that remain in the cabinet more than show up on my table. And I thought this is a great topic for a wine writer's wrap-up. While you're enjoying the conversation, please take a moment to scroll down to subscribe, rate, and review Exploring the Wine Glass. Slancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Wine Writers Wrap Up. I am so excited to be here today with my wine writing friends. And today we are going to be talking about wine glasses and whether we really do need a wine glass for every grape variety that we drink. Before we actually get into the conversation, let's introduce my wine writing friends. So Deb, you're up to my right first, so why don't you go first? All right, I'm Debbie Giaquindo. I'm the Hudson Valley wine goddess, a wine blogger, wine writer, certified specialist of wine, wine location specialist in port and champagne. I'm author of Tapping the Hudson Valley, Day Trips and Weekend Itineraries, visiting all the craft beverage producers in the Hudson Valley. And I just opened a restaurant in North Wildwood, New Jersey called Trio North Wildwood. And we are an outlet for Justina Wines. So that's it. If I left anything out, well, oh well. <laughs> and next up, Michael. Oh, so uh, I, I guess we have to start by saying I'm a consumer of Dracenia wines, so that we, 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 we got to keep we got to keep giving you your plug here, Lori. Oh well, thank you so much. But I'm Michael Kelly. I write for uh, California Wines and uh, Wineries. I'm a wine judge. Uh, I run uh, the internet now International Cap Franc Day competition, wine competition, and. Lori Budd will be a guest speaker this year, hopefully in uh, April. And uh, those are just some of the things I'm involved with. Yes, I actually am so excited to looking forward to talking about that. And I'm honored that I'm going to be speaking at your competition. Next up, Pam. Hi, I'm Pam from Food Wine Chronicles and also Vines Virginia, as well as Equal Pour. I'm a wine blogger, a food and wine writer. I have a website at the um, same handle as I just mentioned. I am a longtime admirer of Lori Bud and of her wines. Um, and that is pretty much all I can say. I live in North Carolina currently, coming straight from Virginia, but born in, in uh, California. So that is my. Gosh, you guys are like starting to make me blush over here. And last, John. Uh, hi, I'm John Taylor. I, by day, I am the director of consumer marketing for Cultivar Wine and Casper Estate in the Napa Valley. Uh, and then beyond that, I'm a wine blogger and podcaster and writer, uh, creator of the Pairs with Life wine blog and Pairs with Life podcast and the novel Pairs with Life, shameless plug. Oh my God. Oh. Um, <laughs> I do, I'm an enthusiast of your Wines um, and will be brave saying that the Cab Franc is one of the top three made ever in the world. So, and I only put it top three because I'm non-committal to everything. So it, yeah, everything is top three if it's really good. So there you go. You guys are like all awesome. I didn't know this was going to be a Dracena Fest, but seriously, I'm not even going to have to put the promotional section in the center of this podcast because you guys are doing it all for me. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of the love. Great to be here. Before we actually get into the conversation, I have to ask the question, 
who's drinking, and what are you drinking? What am I drinking? I'm drinking a stove. And I no. took a picture of it because the bottle's downstairs. Not drinking. Picture of it. Yeah, John and I are drinking water. Yes, exactly. Too much, uh, too much work left to do tonight, and wine is always just like. This is what I'm drinking. Oh, that's awesome. Pam, I saw you raise something earlier. What do you have tonight? Some rosé. So, what's in the glass tonight is SR2, um, which is, it's, it's a effervescence. It's a bubbles um, rosé that nice. I buy pretty frequently from the local wine shop, mostly to support them, but it does taste good. And so um, I try to keep it light during the during the weekdays, try to keep it alone. It's, it's really hard for me to sleep without a glass of wine. All right, people, hold on to your seats because I'm drinking water. <laughs> water only. Actually, I've been dry for about a week now, going for the month, because at the end of June, we are going to Cancun and my liver is going to be going into overdrive. So I thought I'd give it a little break before we head down to Cancun. Oh, boy. No way. All right. So now that you are all back in your seats from falling over from shock, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to be talking about whether or not we actually do need hyper-specific wine glasses. And the topic came into mind because last week I got an article from Wine Enthusiast, and the title was very specific. Is hyper-specific wine stemware worth it? And I was like, wow, you know what? This is a great topic because I have a couple of views and actually some of them are opposing views about whether or not we want to have these hyper-specific uh, glasses for every variety we drink. And in the article, it mentioned that it, this pretty much is a phenomenon thanks to Klaus Riedel. So in the 1970s, Klaus Riedel decided, you know what, I'm going to start making stemware specific for grape varieties. And we're going to change the shapes of the bowls, depending on what the grape is, to allow the consumer to enjoy the wine better. So I ask you, do you guys have glassware that is specific for grape varieties? Oh, wow. <laughs> I have a number of wine glasses, probably if you ever follow me, you'll see them all over the place on various different things. I've been on chats and all kinds of uh, wine events. Um, I have some Salto glasses. I have some Riedel glasses. I have various different glasses and I do tend to use them, um, but not for every day, to be honest with you. Um, if I have some very specific types of wines that I think are real quality for everyday drinkers, I use just, just what you see here. This is just a, a basic wine glass. I couldn't even tell you, to be honest with you, um, the brand name of this glass. What I can tell you is that I bought it on recommendation of someone on Instagram and I bought it off of Amazon. They come six and they're, they're somewhere around, I want to say somewhere between maybe 60 and 70 dollars for six of them so they're not tremendously expensive um but for everyday drinkers that's what i what i use i often have people give me wines or send samples and if they're if i think that they're quality wines i want to try to get the best impression of the wine so i will tend to use some of the what i believe is is the better quality glasses to give those wines a fair shot at the flavors and and what i experience so when i write about them you know because i do believe that um the wine glasses make a difference oh okay um yeah i i, I pretty much have a, a a basic coverage um i have cabernet glasses and pinot noir glasses um both uh riedel um and then i have almost exactly what Pam has in terms of a, a, a basic sort of utilitarian white wine glass uh, that could also take red wine, but I typically serve white wine in it um, uh, because they're beautiful and they're a little different. I don't, I, I also have some other white wine glasses that are more of the standard Chardonnay glasses that uh, with the rounded bottom and not so much that, uh, 
I don't know, like almost hexagonal, the hexagonal thing that's happening there. And you know, the truth of the matter is that I really only break those glasses out when my snobby friends come over and they expect, you know, the red wine in the red wine glass and the white wine in the white wine glass. But for all intents and purposes, for just for myself, I pretty much use my Pinot Noir glass as an everyday glass. I, I love that. I love the shape. I love the way every wine smells in there. Um, I want a lot of aeration in the glass that I use, uh, and, and that does the trick. Um, I, I do own champagne flutes, but I'm moving away from serving champagne and champagne flutes, even to my snooty friends, uh, and, and using more of the standard white wine glass uh, for champagne. Uh, but that's that's it. That's all. That's all I've got. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I have um, the Riedel glasses, both stemless and stems, that fit to you know whatever the wine: the Chardonnay, um, Sauvignon Blanc, Cabernet, Pinot Noir, and I have the Riedel um, champagne glasses, which are nice because they they're regular almost wine glasses and I'll use that for white wine too. But for every day, this is what I just have. This actually somebody gave me, it says girls just want to have fun. <laughs> because like you, John, I only actually, I'll break it out. If I'm opening a really good bottle of Pinot Noir or Cab, I will get the good glasses out mm -hmm. or my snobby friends come over, but I don't have many snobby friends, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, and I find the reason why I, I, I more or less use this every day because I can throw these in the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. yes. And and the, the Rita ones, you have to wash the next day because if you wash them that night, you're gonna break them. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. Great point. So I only break them out, you know, with the good wine. Oh. So yeah, so when the topic came up, I actually went to the wine I don't know what you want to call it, wine bar area in the hallway and decided to do an actual count of how many glasses were in there. And there, I stopped at a little over 60. Oh boy. And, and we also, uh, when we moved a few years back up here, we gave away, I asked Susan, my wife, how many we gave away. And she said, well, well over 50. Holy and, cow. and that doesn't include the plastic glasses that we use on the deck or the patio for you know what I call casual, which we had some people over last night, for example, with just casual, because with dogs, I don't want glass breaking out on the patio. Mm -hmm. So we use a, a, a thin, a thin uh, edge uh, plastic glass, but almost everything we have is Riedel for after going through the Riedel tasting and, and becoming a believer. And in other words, I bought, I bought hook, line, and sinker, the whole Riedel concept of, uh, you know, so I was a great consumer, uh, and I've actually had Riedel come both to this wine society up here and to the wine society down in the Bay Area when we were in the uh, doing this. So that I, because I was such a believer in doing it, and we also have Coke Riedel glasses, Coca Cola Riedel. Yeah, I asked, do you put Pepsi in your Coke glasses? Oh my God, Deb, this is why we are such good friends. That's exactly what I was going to ask. You just beat me to the punch. No, my wife, my wife would, would, uh, would, uh, rather take her life than drink Pepsi. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so, so, so we really, and there's every shape, whether it's Sal Blanc, it's, uh, Chardonnay, it's Pinot, it's Cabernet, and we have, various different sizes of even Cabernets in the Riedels, the, the XL, the, the regular, the, and these ones that you can, I swear you can put a bottle in the, and they're mm -hmm. But, uh, so yeah, but you know, we never use them. And, but for everyday glasses, we actually use the Riedel glasses for every day, whether it's for, uh, because when I take pictures of the wine and, and with food pairings, I want the wine to show in the right glass. So, and I basically post every day, at least during the week. So I always have something out there. So tonight, so tonight we're barbecuing, uh, tri-tip. So it will be in a, we'll have a Cabernet and it'll be in a, uh, uh, a Cabernet glass. Yeah. So it sounds like we all do have 
glassware that is for specific varietals. Definitely some positives to them. You get the expression of the grape. You get exactly. the expression of the wine. It's all muted you know, in champagne flute. You know, it's in it. yeah. I will say my least favorite for champagne is a coupe. I've tried it. I just cannot. I don't yeah. understand. Maybe y'all can. Maybe you can um, elaborate because I've tried it many times with many different things, and I'm like, why do we have this? Yeah, the coupe really is an outdated glass. I think if you think about why we still use the coupe, I think it's just something in terms of a tradition. You know, think the Great Gatsby back in the Roaring Twenties. You know, they're all dancing and they're holding the coupe with champagne in it and they're drinking. And, you know, they do make fantastic uh, champagne towers using the coupe. Can't do that with any other glass, at least not as well. But there is actually science to why a flute doesn't really work well and also why the coupe no longer, you know, doesn't work well either. So I'm going to have a picture for you guys. I actually found one that demonstrates what's happening in the glass with that effervescence, with those bubbles. And I absolutely love this image. Okay, good. Oh, wow. Here we go. What we're looking at is an image of infrared, and it's looking at a time span of what happens to the bubbles when the sparkling wine is sitting in the wine glass. So the flute, you can see that there's a lot of effervescence and it kind of hangs on for quite some time. And then the coupe, because of the wide mouth that it is, the bubbles come really quickly up and it dissipates a lot faster. So you lose the bubbles. So basically what happens is if you're drinking out of a flute, you're going to get more bubbles for a longer period of time, but less aroma. And if you're drinking out of the coupe, you're going to get less bubbles, but more aromas. I have a couple of tulip glasses that I think work really good for, for bubbles. They look like kind of like tulips. And I think they, they work really well. They kind of have, they're a combination of sort of both, I think. Tulip is my favorite also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of Cabernet Sauvignon Regal glasses. And, I, and to be fair, I think for me at least, they do make a, a bit of a difference. I have the Pinot glasses too. I have a couple of Zolto glasses. I, I haven't, interesting you should say, so now I want to try. Um, because I have a Cabernet Sauvignon Zalto glass and, and um, one from Riedel as well. So I'm interested to see. So I'll probably try that tomorrow like I need to. But um, just just off of this, to be honest with you, I, I really am. I haven't ever compared the two because I typically will pour it into that huge Riedel glass. But but I think, it make, to be honest, in my opinion... It does make a difference. I have tried them in various different glasses. And I will say that I've tried them in just this standard type of glass. I've tried them in um, stimulus and other things. And I've also had a few tastings with other bloggers and friends just because they were very skeptical when I said it really makes a difference. They were very skeptical and 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 was like that. That's impossible. So I did have a, I have a few have had a few tastings with just wine friends, and they found a huge difference. So in my opinion, I think depends on what you're drinking. I think whites. You know, I have a couple of different types, um, but I like pretty glasses. You know, I have a problem with that too. So if I'm drinking to take a picture, if I'm, if I'm doing, like he said, if I'm trying to get a really nice photograph, um, I think that whites, you know, if you have a decent glass, it's probably going to taste pretty good, especially if it's really chilled. Some of the whites that don't need to be chilled as much, maybe you don't need that. Um, so that, that's kind of my opinion. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I think there is a difference when you, take a, just a regular wine glass and say a real specific wine glass. Cause I've done that before and the aromas are much better in the Riedel um, than they are in just a regular wine glass. Um, and, and it brings out different, you know, flavors as well. But I think, you know, for every day you have to decide what, you know, do you want to bring out the expensive ones? Do you want to risk the breakage? Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, we, we, we break Riedel's like, like, uh, 
changing uh, toilet paper, it seems like. Oh, uh, you can imagine. I, I'm just kidding. Has everybody gone through the Riedel tasting? I no. Have. No. Yeah, I have. Okay, so, so I, I gave uh, the presentation, or I didn't give it, but I had the people come up and do the presentation up here. And I said, this is the most fun you'll ever have with wine with your clothes on. <laughs> and, and everybody goes, that's the introduction? I said, yes. So I said, and I turned it loose to the to the, uh, the Riedel uh, rep to go through it. And in the end, everybody just thought it was the most amazing thing. We had 60 people participating in it. And when you taste it, when you taste a Chardonnay in a Sauv Blanc glass, in a water glass, in a Cabernet glass, and da, 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 da. and then you come back, and all of a sudden you get you get the Chardonnay in a Chardonnay glass. That wine tastes so good and smells so good that you know it just made me uh, again. I thought the first time maybe I was duped, you know, the first time during the presentation, but I actually I'm a big believer in having the actual glass. So no matter what we open every evening. The only problem is, you know, they don't make a glass for, uh, you know, Nebbiolo, or they don't make a glass for, you know, this and that. So when I go to the cellar to pick out a wine, yeah, I have to then try to think about what the aroma is going to be, and then try to match it to one of the glasses. That's a good idea. That's right. You yeah. might, you know, I want to interject something just a little bit. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take your time. I just wanted to say I'm I'm always curious about the you know and I understand that there's breakage in in the in the uh, tasting rooms, but the, the honestly most of the time the glasses they use don't do their wines any justice. I think it yeah, makes a difference. Uh, it's an interesting thing because uh, ha having worked in in several tasting rooms, it, there's this. Uh, cost benefit analysis that goes into the whole thing. Because yeah, you're breaking glasses every day. And so if you're using really nice real glasses, that adds up uh, over time. And there were a couple of uh, places I worked where we insisted on real glasses and, and you know, please don't, <laughs> please do your best not to break the glasses. But would you sell more wine if you, yeah. were, if you were using them? Yeah, and, and you know, it, Again, Napa, you know, very much of a of a cab area. So, you know, it was very standard to use Riedel Cabernet glasses. But for the white wines, um, we almost never differentiated. There wasn't a Sauv Blanc glass and a Chardonnay glass or or anything like that. It was just the standard white wine glass. Um, and in one place I worked, we had a really nice Pinot, so we did differentiate. We got a Pinot and a Cabernet. Um, uh but uh but yeah i mean it's it's a tough it's a tough balance you know between the number of glasses that are broken and stolen everyone steals okay i understand oh. steals everyone steals okay. glasses it's yes. just and you know what i bet the number of glasses that have been stolen has now increased since everything is outside because i think it's a bit easier to stick a glass in your bag when you're outside versus when you're all huddled up at a tasting bar inside Oh yeah, I you know, a couple of tents in you, and you and people just have gall out the wazoo. And you see these people, oh. you know, Cabernet glass is like you know, it's like this tall. And you see them trying to shove it into a furnace. You're like, I see you doing this. <laughs> That's and, hilarious. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Well, you know, it's it. So Stephen, uh, Stephen Kent, Stephen Marisu from Lineage and Stephen Kent Winery, he only uses Lineage, or I mean, he only uses Riedel for his Lineage wine. And so, and that is a great glass to showcase a $175 bottle of wine. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, so. When you charge $175 for a bottle of Cabernet Franc, I guess you should have pretty expensive glasses and you're not concerned about them breaking. Yes. Yeah, thank you yeah, for yeah. serving them. But I'll tell you, I have, I have the expensive Riedel cab glasses and they're so thin. They are. When I wash them, I'm scared. Even when I'm, you know, the next day, I'm scared I'm gonna break yeah, them. I wash mine by hand. Those ones yeah. I wash by hand. I do have some, like the Pinot Noir glasses, they actually do the Riedel ones. They actually hold up very well, and the dishwasher on the top on the top level though. Um, the Zoltos, I don't even bother to try to put them in a dishwasher. 
I handle them as less as possible because they're so paper thin. And unless I'm having something really nice like others, I don't even pull those out because most people don't, they're scared to touch them because the stems are so thin. They're like, what in the world? Can I just get a regular glass? (laughs) That's like another thought of this whole hypersensitive glassware. I don't understand the concept, right? We all agree that the bowl size matters and the shape of the bowl matters to determine which aromas we're getting, determining, you know, depending on what the grape variety is. But what does the stem have to do with anything? Why do they keep making these glasses super, super thin? It seems like the more expensive the glass, the thinner the stem, which just means they're going to break easier. Babe, I need more wine in this glass. This is going to be a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I meant to shut the sound off. (laughs) (laughs) You shut your video off. It's just way too funny. I am so sorry. I'm upstairs. He's downstairs, so I can't get to it. I am sorry, but I am not even editing that out because that is just too hysterical to edit out. It has got to stay in there. It's all part of the package. Yeah, it's out. It feels purely aesthetic to me. I I, I don't know if there's any purpose to it. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. So I was at a, I I just, two weeks ago, I was at the uh, Woodhill Wine Festival for the wineries in the Sierra Foothills. And uh, they originally had glasses. Well, they brought in Riedel glasses for all the judges. So we tasted Riedel glass. We were able to taste all the 397 wines uh, using Riedel glasses, which made, I think, a significant difference compared to some of the other contests and events that I go to. And uh, I like, I was very appreciative of that fact. And the stems were not that thin. They so Riedel makes some. I mean, I have some. I mean, again, we literally wash our glasses every morning. I mean, that's just a ritual. I mean, feed the dogs, wash the wine glasses, I and mean, that's just kind of the routine. And the chart. I was washing the Chardonnay glass this morning, and the. It, I mean, it was like a pencil lead. The the stem. It was so thin. Uh, on the newer ones, the older ones were a little bit thicker. But the, but the Cabernet seemed to be a little bit thicker and not as fragile. But the, the Chardonnay, I was absolutely convinced I was going to break it this morning. Leads me to my next question. What are your thoughts on stemless glasses? Um, well, like that, I use stemless a lot at home. Uh, easy to clean, um, easy to not tip over. I have kids, you know, running into everything. So it, it's a lot you, you stand a lot better chance of keeping your wine in the glass with a stemless glass. But I think that the, the, the most obvious uh, benefit of having a glass with a stem is that you can hold it by the stem and you're not heating up the wine with your hand. Um, and it's also, I mean, especially, you know, for, from a swirling um, uh, standpoint, you know, you get, you get your swirl on with the stem uh, and uh, yeah, so it just keeps the glass from, from heating, heating your hand. So in a, in, a, in a, you know, again, with a great dinner, I'm going to go with the stems uh, because, you know, we're pulling out all the stops. Uh, or if I'm tasting something for the first time, I'm going to go with the stem. But for everyday drinking, stemless is, is fine. You're drinking out of a stemless glass right now. So obviously you don't have any issues with it. What are your thoughts about them? Well, stemless, here I have a stemless glass. And I kind of agree, you know, with John on the, the whole stem and the swirling and getting it warm, especially I'm drinking a white wine, it's gonna warm up. But for everyday drinking, for what we're doing, you know, I will use a stemless. If I'm like breaking out a good bottle or company, I go with the stems. I I personally like the stems better, but just for everyday, the stemless works. John and Debbie, you talked about the concept of the warming of the glass, but the other thing is, Um, You know, typically those of us who use stemless, we are aware of the warming of the wine. So when we, when we swirl, we kind of hold it up higher where the liquid itself isn't. But the other thing is, is that, you know, on our hands, we have oils, you know, fingerprints uh, are oils. That's how the CSI people can track us down when we do those crimes. Um, You know, so you're putting 
oils and your hands have aromas on them. And I'm not talking about like you just finished, you know, handling raw fish or whatever, just you have natural aromas, odors on your hands and they are maintained in that oil. So when you hold that glass that high at the top so that you're not warming the wine itself, as you bring that glass up to your nose, you potentially can be inhibiting the aromas of the wine by the aromas in the oils in your hands. You're chomping at the bit over there. What's your opinion? A double negative. <laughs> uh, I One of the things we had uh, several sets of stemless before we moved up here, and those, they, 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 are, they are in some goodwill <laughs> box somewhere. We got rid of anything. There's not a stemless glass in the house. How about you? What are your thoughts? Okay, so I'm I'm going to say middle ground for me. Um, uh, I'm going to pick. I'm, I know I can't pick it, and but let me be fair and share why. Um, I think that stemless is okay in some instances, and even plastic. You know, um, when you go to the beach and things like that, um, plastic is fine. I think for me, stemless works depending on what is going on. Like she said, if you have, you know, I tend to cook a lot and it depends on my meal, to be honest with you, if I'm pairing some wine with that. If I'm having pizza, you're getting a stimulus glass because <laughs> I already know what's going on, you know, burritos, things like that. Now, if I'm cooking a more extravagant meal, of course you want the, the look of your uh, table to, to pair with um, what you have going on and the event you have um going on and these you know it just depends like the shots weisel that i just showed you guys that's a very durable glass so i'm not worried about anybody really breaking that glass very easily um it doesn't maybe give you all all of the nuances that you would get in maybe a better quality glass but it still tastes things still taste really good out of it i've actually even tasted red wine out of it and um it hasn't really affected the flavors too much. It's very sturdy. It's dishwasher acceptable. Um, I haven't, I have still, I bought six. I still have six. Now I will say, <laughs> now I have bought um, some more expensive, thinner brands of uh, glass and that were, were not tremendously expensive to be honest with you, but were, were expensive enough where you don't want to be. And I probably have for those particular ones, I want to say I have uh, maybe three left. They're sort of middle of the ground. So I think for me, just because I do a lot of food and wine together, um, depending on what I'm cooking, it, it can have a, uh, an effect on which glass that I use. But if I'm just doing a tasting and I really want people to be fair with the nuances of the wines, then I'll pick glasses that pair up with the style of the wine or the varietal of the wine that I'm, but I'm, that I'm using. But for every day, I usually will use just what I just uh, showed you. I don't mind a stemless glass, but it's going to be a very casual affair. And now a word from our sponsor. Looking to be in the know about Dracaena wines? Want to be the first to know about our new releases and special offers? All you need to do is sign up for our newsletter. There is no commitment necessary, and I promise you we won't spam your mailbox with loads of messages. Need another reason to sign up? Quite possibly the best reason? You'll immediately get a discount code for 10% off your first purchase and be privy to newsletter-only discounts. Let Dracaena Wines turn your moments into great memories. Visit our website, www.dracaenawines.com, or use the link in show notes to sign up. It will take you less than a minute, but the rewards will last a lifetime. Can I also mention that stimulus sometimes can, you know, it's about your experience. I've been in restaurants, honestly where the stimulus glasses, and I don't know why they do it, but I've seen them do it with water glasses as well. They put their fingers, they'll have three glasses and they'll bring these wine glasses with their fingers, one finger in each glass. To your table? There's no stem. Yes, ma'am. Oh my God. Because there's no stem. So typically- No, if it's they a need to take a tray thing, and bring them to you. 
If there is a restaurant that doesn't have stems, I won't even order one because they come to you. And of course, this is my glass and it's stem, but they'll come to you with one finger in each glass uh-uh. like this. Poor and training like, on oh, no, sir. Yeah, so I, th- I, you know, so I think too, you have to consider, you know, it's like, okay, not, and these are good rest. These are decent restaurants. Like they have, you know, quality food, but they, I guess they don't have quality. Sir, I don't know. It's just weird. So training. that kind of turns me off from they didn't train too. their They didn't train their staff how Fair. to carry the wine glasses to the table. Right. That did not happen in my restaurant. Yeah. And I've seen them, I've seen them bring water like that too. And I'm, my husband goes to drink the water. I'm like, no, you don't. You can just put that back down. If you're not drinking that, he had his finger in it. So I, I, here's a little anecdotal story. Uh, you, you, I think you all know Janice Robinson. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, Master Psalm of what, 2018 or whatever it was that she was Master Psalm. So I had done some uh, PowerPoint presentations and sent it to her and helped her out on a presentation a couple of times. And she said, Well, Michael, I'm going to send you some glasses. I said, Please don't. <laughs> you know, don't send me glasses. Because, but I also have my own line of glasses. I really want you to, you know, I said, No, do me a favor. Don't. I said, I'm just happy to do this for you. Don't send me glasses. And she goes, well, what do you want? I said, I don't want anything, right? But definitely, I don't want glasses. Here's a question for you. Do you guys know why Crystal makes for a better glass when it comes to sparkling wines? I don't. I do not. I, I, I would say that I, I don't. But, I, well, I was going to say I'm, I'm thinking because Crystal doesn't have the various lids in it, maybe. So, you know, Pam, that actually may be true in terms of why Crystal is better for wine all around. Um, But it doesn't play a role in the fact with sparkling wine. So why Crystal is so great for sparkling wine is because even though it's so crystal clear, as they say, it actually has more imperfections in it than cheaper glass. And in order to have those bubbles form in the glass, you need to have imperfections. That's what allows those bubbles to be created and allow them to grow, you know, go up on the a surface that we love to watch as they rise through the glass. So crystal has all of these little micro bumps in there and they allow more bubbles to appear. And that is what everybody loves looking at when it comes to sparkling wine. Interesting. Oh, great. Yay, science. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. That is very interesting. Does it change the color? Do you you think it changes the color or is the clarity so just more intense? Color, what are you talking about in terms of color, the glass or the wine? The wine. Oh, the wine. Yeah. Yeah. Through the crystal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good science experiment. Take the same wine, take that same Cabernet that you're going to drink, Michael, and pour it into a crystal glass and a non-crystal glass and see if the color of the wine varies. I would guess it probably could, but I'm not so sure that our eyes can actually detect that difference. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's a major difference. It's probably minuscule and maybe a computer can recognize the difference, but I'm not sure our eyes are capable of that. Deviate that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, note to self. Yeah. And then let's tell, and then tell us, Michael, what you find out. Cause I'm interested. Yeah. I, I, and I'll try to do it. I'll try to do it. I'll dig out and find something that's not readable, but most of it's readable, but I'll find something that's not readable and see the same shape glass and see what the color differentiation mm-hmm. is. And maybe I can even find this bit uh, spectrum to yeah. look at what the, what the colors are. Just make sure there's just one variable because, you know, as the scientist, it drives me crazy when people try to do an experiment and there's multiple variables. Then you have no idea what is the difference, right? So has to be the same wine, has to be same size glass. Everything's got to be the same. Just the only difference should be the crystal versus the non-crystal. That's the same thing they said about my marriage. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so since we're all kind of agreeing that, yes, there is a benefit to having these hyper-specific wine glasses, do you think that this 
adds to the eliteness factor of wine? Is it increasing the look of snobbery of wine lovers? I'm going to say that um, because I have friends um, at every level, um, um, friends that drink wine just for fun, friends that drink wine um, for work, friends that are really into wine. And I'm going to say that I think that's a fair um, assumption. I think that anytime there is a lack of education with anyone, they're going to be apprehensive when there is a group of people that are being very wine specific. And what I mean by that is that I've held those types of tastings, like I said, I've, I've held those where there was an array of wine lovers, wine enthusiasts, wine professionals, whatever you want to call them, very apprehensive to explore wine because they're like, well, see, this is the type of thing I'm talking about Well, we have these tastings. And I say, well, let's taste the various different glasses and see what you guys think. And so unfortunately, that can be bad or good. And what I mean by that is that when you do those types of tastings, then these people think that when they go somewhere, restaurant, or be it otherwise, um, and a restaurant, we all know that restaurants are going to serve you in their standard wine glass. Uh, most of the time, it doesn't matter whether it's a red wine or white wine, you're going to get the same glass. Some of them have better glasses than others, depending on where you go. They become very apprehensive because they're like, well, I don't really that glass, you know, and then they'll taste the wine and have a preconceived notion of what they think it should taste like just based on the glass they're served in. Fair? Me too. We went to a seafood restaurant the other day to have awesome seafood. Asked for a glass of wine. I don't know where they got these glasses. I don't know why they serve wine in these glasses. But when I saw the glass, in my mind, I knew that that wine was not going to taste good. Now, did it taste good because it wasn't good? Or did it taste good because of the glass? Who knows? But I, but I think to be honest and to be fair, and from my experience, that yes, there's too much going on sometimes in the wine world. And people are like, you know what? Ah, gin and tonic, because I don't care what you put it in. It's still going to taste like gin and tonic. Mike and I have refused to go back to restaurants simply based on what their wine glasses are at the restaurant. You, know, you get those little things and you can't even taste any of the wine that you're pouring. So yeah, we, we will go back to restaurants if they have certain wine glasses. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know it's not just me. No, 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 no. Not just you. Right. And then they have this thick stem that looks like it's crystal, but it's really not. And, and you see them everywhere. You know, I always say, I call them wedding rentals. That's what I call them. I'm like, those are the wedding rental wine glasses. If you go rent wine glasses from any type of event center and you say, I need 24 wine glasses, they're going to give you two cases of these. Um, and that's because most people that aren't real true wine drinkers at a wedding, they don't care what you put it in, because they're only going to use it to do the toast anyway. I think it can be intimidating. I think, you know, people will, you know, they might feel intimidated because, oh my God, now I have this beautiful wine, you know, wine glass. I What's going in there has to be equally as good. So then you come off and, you know, to me, it's, if you like it, it's good, you know? Um, so I, I think it, it can be, and I don't think people should be intimidated by the glass that they're served in. Yeah. So, so I, I was in a, um, Debbie, I told you I was on a board, board uh, at Princeton. Uh, uh -huh. And the guy that we would stay with, to, and we'd go out for dinner every night for a week, he would actually take bottles of wine from the cellar, but he would also pack his own, he had a, a packaging to bring his own wine glasses to the mm -hmm. restaurant with the two or three different wines that we were going to have. And that seemed a little over the top even to me i could see bringing one but not bringing but he would bring three different glasses for the for four wines that he was going to have at the dinner party every evening and and he was a big riedel fan too i'm i'm but it seemed that that would be a little intimidating to the table next next year that's a true <laughs> movement why go out to yeah you know and then packing them back up afterwards so i mean literally we'd walk in with you know, a, a big satchel of glasses and a big satchel of wine. 
and then have to put it on, and then kind of use a, a, a napkin to you know dry them out a little bit and then put them back in. Then we go back to his house. And again, in the morning, we were washing the glasses again. Um, yeah, I, I think that basically any, you know, element like this is going to, you know, at least add to the the appearance, you know, that, that wine is an elitist behavior. And um, But, you know, when you get into something this specific, you're really only dealing with people you know, like ourselves who are, you know, really into wine and, and are really trying to optimize the experience and, you know, really looking for, uh, you know, how to, you know, make the whole tasting experience a, a better thing. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I don't think it affects sort of the beginner, the entry level uh, wine person as much because they won't be put into that experience, you know, right off the bat of, hey, there's six different wine glasses in front of you and here's six different wines. Um, you know, it, it usually starts, uh, you know, at a casual dinner party where it's like, hey, try this with the steak and let me tell you. You know, it, it, like when, when I'm introducing friends to wine, um, the, the big thing for me is just is just pouring two glasses side by side, you know, and like here's, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing here, but I put the barefoot Cabernet in one glass and, <laughs> you know, you put the Napa Valley Cabernet in the other glass. Like, just which one do you prefer? Which one do you like more? And the glass itself doesn't matter the smelling, the tasting, the process, all of that doesn't matter. It's just which one you like more. And, you know, 90% of the time. John, we all know that secretly you're wishing that they like the cheaper wine better so that you have more of the more expensive, better wine for yourself. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what have I done? Um, so, you know, so the, the introductory phase of, of wine doesn't typically have, you know, multiple different kinds of, of wine glasses, but, you know, certainly it would be, it would definitely be intimidating if it was introduced to you that way. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's like having a, a, a you know, a, a hot rod car, you know, you, 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 you're fine tuning that thing and making it better and better and better and better all along, you know, you're, but, but you, you typically start off with a Nissan Versa. So. Yeah. Well, I, w I would say that just piggybacking off of what John said, fairness. And, and, and I'm glad he mentioned that because, you know, a lot of like, for instance, my friends, they honestly, you know, when we, some of them, when I introduced them, cause I did introduce them to, to the, maybe the better, finer aspects of wine, you know, we would have wine tasting and I say, everybody needs to bring their own glass initially because there'd be so many, like I'm not washing all these glasses. <laughs> and they would bring glasses with stockings on them and glasses that said wine ho and just all <laughs> kinds of weird things. I'm sorry, should I have said that? I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> but I'm saying you've seen those glasses where they, they're just all painted up and decorated and you know, things like that. Now, now we all know that, you know, these are just fun glasses and, and, and I have a few. Um, for some reason, people think they're great gifts for me. Um, but I don't never turn down a gift from a friend and they're all in my wine room. Um, but you know, they, they, so they have things like that. And so like John was saying, you know, initially everyone starts somewhere and there's a learning process. So like he said, you know, you, you start with the you know, with the standard things. And as the process goes on, you learn more and more and you kind of learn that, okay, well, wine glasses factor into uh, this. But I think ultimately to be fair is that there is a little bit eliteness um, in the industry when it comes to that type of thing, because th some of that, there's a little appeal to that. You know, when people realize there's more to this than just drinking wine to drink it, there's more than barefoot. There's There's more than you know, these types of wines, there is a little bit more that goes with that. I think some people, that is what they seek. So say kudos to you, John, because I think you're right. Thank you. Yeah. So if we will get some people over here who, you know, uh, you know, neighbors or that may not be necessarily into wine or part of the wine society and we'll pour a glass of wine. They go, well, why, what's the difference of wine glasses? And I said, well, here, so we'll take out maybe just three glasses you know, three different size and shape glasses and pour the same wine into them 
and you tell me which tape this now we don't do barefoot but we do you know the same wine <laughs> in each of the glasses and just say what do you think tastes best and they go well i kind of like you know if it was a cab or a pinot in the pinot glass or the cab in the cab and it's amazing i would say that even the uninitiated or unsophisticated wine drinker 90 percent will choose the right glass oh, that's interesting with the right wine mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think we all are the people who others come to to ask them what wines they should buy or what glasses they should buy. Well, you're lucky because they ask you what to buy. They just ask me if they can borrow mine. <laughs> <laughs> it, de it, de it de to be fair, it depends on you know who it is. Um, but but a lot of times people will say, hey. Um, can I borrow your wine glasses? And I have often, yeah, I've, you know what? I have so many and I've collected, I've been doing this for, for more than, you know, a decade. So um, I've been gifted wine glasses. I've bought plenty of my share to be really honest with you. Um, and so I, I don't mind sharing if it makes someone's experience, whatever it is they want it to be. And they don't want to purchase because they can get pretty pricey. So if they're having a small dinner party or something like that with six or 10 folks, I, I don't mind lending. I really don't. I don't mind lending, but I'll be honest and say what I lend, the tiers of quality of what I lend depend on who is asking to borrow them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do I go, go to the kitchen or do I go to the living room? Well, a lot of times they'll tell me what they want, to be honest. You know, I have I have so many... And I don't know why I keep them. I think just because I think it's fair to keep them for just everyday basics. I have a lot of, lot of, lot of, you wouldn't believe the amount of wine glasses I have from the various wineries I've visited over the last decade. And so I keep those wine glasses. And sometimes they're just like, I don't care what you give me. I just need enough wine glasses. But in other times they may be doing something super special and those glasses could be a bit pricey. And they usually take very good care of them. People are very caring, you know? And I think at the end of the day, what I try to remember for me at least is wine is about sharing. And I think that, you know, you establish some really good relationships and you, you, you know, and I, and I think that that goes along with somehow that, that intertwines to me. If, if someone comes to me and, and, you know, a friend and says, you know, I'm going to have this really cool wine event, um, now the wine glasses aren't usually all they ask me for, unfortunately, but, um, you know, but, but I don't mind, you know, if this, if this gets the word out, if this helps, um, for those guests of theirs to be able to connect with the wine world a little bit more, I guess I just, I think of it differently than most people it's, you know, wine glasses are replaceable friendships and these types of situations and what they're trying to accomplish is not. Well, I lost wine glasses when I moved. Um, we had, Rito actually makes everyday wine glasses mm -hmm. as well. And I had a whole set of those in the different shapes. And since um, I was on the road at the time with my wine brand a lot, going back and forth from New York to New Jersey, I was not home to pack up the house. Plus I didn't want to move, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, my son got them all. <laughs> So we are approaching the hour mark. So you all know what that means. That means it's riddle time. So everybody's ready. Michael, you have your pencil and pen ready. All right, here we go. A woman first shoots her husband, then holds him underwater for five minutes. She then proceeds to hang him. They then go out to dinner together. Explain how. Wait, read that again, please. A woman first shoots her husband, then holds him underwater for five minutes. She then proceeds to hang him. They then go out to dinner together. Explain how. It's a blow up doll. My God, Debbie, no. I was going to say he has to not be real. He's a photographer. He took his, her, the picture and then put it in the chemicals, hung it up, and went out to dinner. Yes, good job, John. Photographer. Excellent. God, you cheated. You already knew the answer to that, didn't no, you? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I had to, it's actually, it struck me first, and then I had to figure out the underwater. I'm like, oh, five minutes underwater. Wait. Because I was trying to think, like, I was thinking, okay, if she shoots him, but he's still alive, there's something else. 
Yeah, I was like, she didn't actually yeah. shoot him with a gun. What did she shoot him with? And I, I was thinking diabetic. <laughs> Paris, that's not a, a bad one. choice. Not, not a, you know that? Life, but. That's hilarious. So this is the final wrap-up time. You're each going to get a minute or so to tell us something about yourselves, what you're into, what's going on, or where people can find you on social media. John, you're up first. Um, well, thanks for having me uh, again. This is always fun, and I really appreciate being here. And, you know, I, uh, thinking about this whole conversation, I just think the real people are marketing geniuses to have, uh, you know, you know, we need glasses for every wine. And, you know, I really want to take the Riedel tasting that, that, that Michael has had because, you know, I was skeptical going in, uh, but, you know, I try to stay a super open-minded person and I would love to check it out and see, you know, how that, how that goes. So, um, yeah. Um, and then, you know, once again, the shameless self-promotion, my book is now out on hardcover, so you can pick it up anywhere online. If I order that, can you, can you, can you sign it? I absolutely can. Yes, I will for sure. And, um, What's, you know, what's really exciting is that with COVID coming to uh, a kind of an end here, um, I can actually go and get these in bookstores. And uh, yeah, so the publisher is, is now making a push for bookstores and I'll go on a book tour and do all the normal things that the person is supposed to do uh, when their book is released. So looking forward to that. Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Pairs With Life, uh, on Facebook uh, slash Pairs With Life and on Twitter at J-A-T author. Michael, you're up next. Yes, you can find me at uh, Mount Shasta drinking geyser water. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, the best place to find me, and rather than go through all of them, is just uh, HTTPS uh, colon backslash, backslash, backslash CaliforniaWinesAndWineries.com. And, uh, but I do publish to 65 blogs and I, uh, put out my own all social media and all that, but uh, California wines and wineries, you'll find me somewhere one way or another. How about you? Tell us where people can find you. Um, so you can find me again at www.foodwinechronicles.com. But um, as far as social media goes, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Food and Wine uh, Chronicles and on Twitter, I am at FW Chronicles. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you want to locate me, you can locate me through any of those. I am not opposed to DMs. I know people don't like you sliding into theirs, but you can slide into mine all day. <laughs> and Debbie. Okay, I'm going to do self-promotion too. I got my book. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I'm tapping Hudson Valley, but you can find me at HudsonValleyWineGoddess.com. And I'm Hudson Valley Wine Goddess on Facebook and HV Wine Goddess on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Lori. You can find me all over the socials at Dracina Wines for the winery. If you're heading to Paso, be sure to head to the website and schedule a private tasting. We'd love to pour for you in the vineyard. And for everything for the blog and podcast, you can find me on all the social media channels as Exploring the Wine Glass. So thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I look forward to the next Wine Writers wrap up with you guys. And hopefully in the near future, we will be able to be clinking together. Have a great night. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Lori. For, yes, thank you, Lori. This. this was actually very interesting. I've been to a, a, you know, a few different ones, but yours was very good. You know, I'm always a supporter for you. I think that you, you know, that you're, you're very special um, in the wine world. And, and this was a great opportunity that um, I've been to, like I said, I've, I've been to many of these uh, situations where people want to talk about wine glassings, but I think that you had the most informative one that I've been at. So I'm hoping that people will watch this and support Lori because it, she really is, you know, a standout um, when she wants to get out there and be one. So thank you so much for the invite. I appreciate it. Pam, thank you so much. Those are such kind words and they mean so much to me. It really is uh, wonderful to hear that. And I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you all again. And I want to wish you all a wonderful night and a fantastic week. All right. Thanks thank you, Lori. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Give me the brand.
This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha.